Welcome to the Smart Planning 101 podcast, episode 11. I'm Nicole Whip, and I'm your host. Well, hello, Smart Planners. Thanks for joining me today about this very exciting topic of wills. Now, I want to talk about wills partly because it's really the number one legal document, I think, out there that people tend to know about, at least know about its existence. Um, However, because of that, it's also probably the number one document that people think they know things about it that are not quite accurate. And so today's discussion is going to be based around the five things that you need to really know about wills. And really, they're the five things that I have found that people don't know about wills. So the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to first tell you the five facts about wills in a general sense that I'm going to discuss, and then I'm going to get back into them in more specifics. So the first fact is that wills are probate devices. That's my will, your will is your ticket into probate court comment. The second fact is that there's no privacy with a will. The third fact is that wills only control assets that you own in your sole name when you die. The fourth fact is that wills are death, not life, documents. And the fifth fact is that the cost of a will is much higher than you may realize. So, all right, let's get back to the first fact. A will is your ticket into probate court. What do I mean by that? So to better explain that, I'd first like to just explain what a will really is. So a will is a legal document that, if it's properly written, tells who gets your possessions, your accounts, your house, and other assets, and it also gets to say who's in charge. Now, in some states, that person's called an executor, and that's the term that we are most familiar with, but that person isn't always called an executor. In the state that I practice in, the person's called a personal representative. It just means the same thing as executor, but that's what we call it. So if you have minor children, it also gets to tell the court who should care for your minor children and their money. Now, most people believe that a will avoids probate. I hear constantly from people, well, I thought that if I had a will that I'm not going to need to go to probate. But the fact of the matter is, is the exact opposite of that is true. A will is inherently a probate device. It is a device that's meant for probate. And so that's why I say a will is your ticket into probate court, because that's the whole purpose of a will legally. Um, And so this leads to the next topic, which is there is no privacy with a will. A will is a public document because it goes through probate court. And probate is a state process, a legal process. And so a legal process is a public process. So while you might not think that you care, in fact, sometimes people will say to me, well, what do I care? I'm dead, so who cares whether it's public? The fact is, is you might not care for yourself, of course, although some people do, but you may care very much for those that you leave behind. You may not want people to know where your children or your grandchildren live, how much they're getting exactly when they're getting it. And in many states, that's exactly what information is available in the probate process. Because once there's a legal proceeding, anyone can access court records related to a court proceeding. Anyone. 
And so in some instances, such as the county that my home is in, that I reside in, people can access public records for the court on the internet. They don't even need to leave their house. I can be sitting on my computer at two o'clock in the morning, weeding through all these court records and seeing how much money people are getting and what they're getting and when they're getting it. And so a person doesn't even need to go to the courthouse in a lot of cases to get this information. The third fact is that wills only control assets you own in your sole name when you die. Now, this is sort of a confusing topic. What do I mean by it? Well, if you have any assets that are jointly owned, so you own your house jointly with your spouse or something like that, or you have a joint account with somebody, or if they have beneficiary designations, so they're payable on death, transfer on death, and trust for, or they just have a beneficiary designation, these are going to pass according to those rules, not the rules that you put into your will. And this is a huge issue for many people. This is what trips so many people up and causes so many problems for families. Because a lot of times people will do things like put one child on a bank account during their life as a joint owner. And the, the reason that people do this is because they're trying to make things easy in case something happens to them. They want to make sure that there's somebody that can access the account, pay the bills, things like that. And everybody thinks that's a great idea. The problem is, is if that parent, because usually it's parent doing it with a child, dies and they have three kids, only that child that's the joint owner of the account actually legally owns that account. Even if their will says all my assets equal to my children, it doesn't matter what the will says at that point because the legal process has been circumvented by this beneficiary designation or this joint ownership situation. And this happens on so many things. People don't properly title their assets during their life and they don't properly coincide their legal documents with the other legal situations that they set up and then it causes major problems after they die. And let me give you another example of this. So I'm married and I have a three-year-old son and a mom and a 19-year-old sister. And so let's say that I have a bank account and it's jointly owned with my husband, my IRA is beneficiary designated to my son, I have a transfer on death account for my sister and a payable on death account for my mother. And my will says, if I die, everything to my husband and if my husband predeceases me, everything to my son, which is what most people's will basically says. Now, what of all those assets that I just said is my husband going to get? He's only going to get that one joint account. Everything else is going to go, the IRA to my son, the payable on death account to my sister, and the transfer on death to my mother. That's who's going to get each of those things. And so if my real intention was that my husband was to get everything, I have completely set up a legal situation that's not going to make that happen. And that's a problem, right? If that's not what I wanted to have happen. It's sure going to be a problem for my husband who's going to need that money to take care of our kid. So just being aware that the unintended result of setting things up like this is that you're disinheriting people or setting up a legal situation that just conflicts with what your true intentions or wishes might be. The fourth fact is that wills are death, not life documents. And so what do I mean by that? Well, a will doesn't shift control upon disability. It only gives control at death. And so if you get in a car accident and you're in the hospital in a coma, 
Just the fact that your will says that you have an executor or a personal representative does not mean that that person's going to be able to take control of your finances or anything else for that matter while you're in the hospital because that will only gives control upon death. And so you need to have powers of attorney. Powers of attorney are life documents, okay? But they are not death documents. And so if you have a financial power of attorney, then that person's going to be able to take control of your finances upon your disability. Upon your death, your will or other legal document will control who's in charge at your death. Your financial power of attorney and your healthcare power of attorney die with you. So just like a will is a death document, your powers of attorney are in fact life documents. The really important thing to understand about this is that if you don't have proper powers of attorney in place and something happens to you, you become disabled, you become incapacitated, your family is going to need to go to court to get permission to take control of your finances or of your health. And that is usually not a result that most people would prefer to have happen. And the fifth thing is that the cost of a will is much higher than most people realize. AARP did a lengthy study of how the probate process really works in practice. And the study is called a Report on Probate, Consumer Perspectives and Concerns, if you want to look it up. But this report concluded that probate's procedures and protections, even with recent reforms, are inappropriate for all but the most exceptional cases, and that attorney's fees in connection with probate are unreasonable. It also found that on average, 5 to 10% of an estate is eaten up by probate costs, and that smaller estates suffer a proportionately higher probate cost than larger estates. So if you actually have less money, probate proportionally costs more. AARP found that in some cases, attorney's fees consume 20% or more of the estate value. And so the conclusion of this report was that those who go to an attorney and merely ask for a will may get less and pay more than what they bargained for. So even though wills tend to have a lower upfront cost, this masks higher costs later. The last thing I'm going to say about wills, and this is just sort of a bonus tip, is that this is, like I said earlier, death planning. And for many of us, I think um, there are a lot of people that just say, well, who really cares about what's going to happen after I die? Some people care a lot, but there are some people that say, who really cares? And there is some element to that. I mean, you're dead, so what are you going to do? But I think the big thing to understand is that wills are really only a very, very, very small picture of the estate planning puzzle that we are facing in today's world with longevity and healthcare issues and healthcare costs and things like that. And so to me, a will is really only a document that has limited relevance, but it is important for what it's used for, but it has limited relevance. Your estate planning needs to be much more comprehensive than what a will is going to provide to you because you really need those additional life documents and you may want additional protections that beneficiary designations, for example, are not going to give you and your loved ones. And these are just things that I will be talking about in future episodes, but just to be aware that a will really only has limited relevance in the estate planning world to most attorneys that practice law in the way that I do, which is elder law based. So 
I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you found that this was interesting and that you learned something new today. But if you also want to get more information for this episode or any other, please visit smartplanning101.com forward slash 11. You can read the show notes and ask questions there as well. Thank you so much for joining me. Now that you're starting to get the knowledge you need to make better planning decisions, don't let your journey stop there. You can gain access to Nicole's incredible guide, A Will is Your Ticket into Probate Court, the five crucial facts about wills everyone needs to know right now. And the best part is you can download it for free by going to smartplanning101.com slash wills right now. Time is flying by, so don't wait another day to download this must-have guide, and we'll see you next time on the Smart Planning 101 Podcast. The information contained within this podcast does not constitute legal or financial advice. It's for general informational purposes only. For advice specific to your situation, consult with your legal or financial professional.